July 21st, 2010. I arrived in New York City from Los Angeles one Thursday morning, completely alone. 23 years old, no friends, no money, no family. I moved there to start a new life shortly after graduating college, away from the darkness and the confusion and the, frankly, depression that marked my college years in Los Angeles. Those were tough times for me. I wanted a new city and a new life, so I rented a small room in the home of a Brazilian family in Queens. My objective was simple. Find a job in the movie or entertainment industry and work my way up to become a paid career writer. Write movies, write plays, write for a living. Of course, I had no writing experience and I was trying to get a job, any job, in the middle of the biggest economic crisis since the Great Depression. I was up against forces larger than myself and yet I kept thinking that it was all my fault. Five first interviews, four second interviews, three third interviews, two fourth interviews, no job offer. 20 more resumes, 30 more interviews, 30 second interviews, no job offer. July came and went, no job offer. August arrived and the situation was getting serious now. My credit cards were almost to their limit and I had, and I was not really generating any more cash. I was days from being ruined, days from failing at my dream to just live off my passion for writing. I'll never forget that night. I was alone and struggling to cry in silence because because I didn't want the Brazilian family in the living room to, to hear me. I was looking out at the full moon and I was pleading with God to help me. It's hard to explain, but let me do it quickly. I was born to atheist parents, so I never had any real contact with religion at all growing up. The word God just didn't exist in my house. And yet, for some reason, I cannot explain it. I was always spiritual. Even at the age of two or three, I would talk to God. But it's complicated to use that word because I wasn't talking to a religious version of God. I was talking to my own personal version of God, a non-religious God. Today, I don't really use that word anymore because my understanding of that energy has evolved. But back then, I used the word God a lot. Help me build a life here, God. Help me find a boyfriend, God. Help me get a job, God. Help me get settled as an adult, God. Help me beat the economic crisis, God. Give me a sign that you're listening, God. I don't want to be dramatic, but I, that night I did cry myself to sleep. So the next morning, I woke up with nothing to do. And as I was walking out of the house with no real direction, my phone started ringing. It was the last job I interviewed for, the one I was waiting for a callback from, the one I was convinced was going to hire me. I knew I was going to get that job. I knew my life was about to change. I knew my money problems were about to end. I understood it then and there. God answered my prayer. God listened last night and God answered my prayer. Thank you for applying, Andrew, but we're not going to be pursuing your application. We wish you the best of luck on your job search. <sighs> I hung up and I went to the ATM to check my balance. I was days from being broke. Nothing to eat. Nothing to pay rent, no more interviews on the horizon, nothing to dry clean my suits to go to more job interviews. Defeat had finally overtaken me. So I walk outside and down the street with no real direction and I start breaking down. Real tears, real <laughs> screams, real despair started to consume my mind. I, I, felt a, I felt ashamed of doing it in public, but I just couldn't stop it anymore. One by one, New Yorkers walked by me and past me and completely ignored my meltdown. I walked for blocks, feeling invisible, until I felt this hand touch my shoulder. I turned around and I saw beauty in the flesh, blonde, <laughs> hazel eyes, 
an incredible smile my age the epitome of every boyfriend fantasy i've ever had his name was august and and he asked if i was okay if i needed anything and once again i thought god listened we talked for what seemed like a long time we shared stories we connected we had chemistry our conversations were were like deep <laughs> I felt an attraction just from the beginning. He was empathetic, he was motivational, he was philosophic. He reminded me that my life was bigger than that moment and that everything was gonna be okay and that eventually I was just gonna land somewhere and my, and my, and my life was gonna advance into more exciting times and that everything, like, and that God was listening. My tears dried up, a smile creeped in and then he finally asked me what he was meaning to ask me all along. Have you heard about the great work Greenpeace is doing? Would you be interested in supporting with a small monthly donation of $10? That's basically two cups of coffee a month to save the planet. Ah, the all too familiar slap in the face from the universe. I couldn't respond. I turned around and I just left. I hopped on the subway and I headed to Manhattan. I want you to visualize the gorgeous, picturesque scene of a sunny August day in Central Park, Manhattan. Yes, tourists are everywhere, but they don't really take away from the majestic gardens and the enchanting lagoon and the colorful flowers and the big fairy tale bridges. It's just gorgeous. I'm sitting on the grass, still unable to hold back my tears. And all I'm doing is watching couples enjoying a romantic day on their rowboats unable to manage my envy. It had been so many years that my mind and my heart had been in total, complete turmoil. I didn't even remember what it was like to have a peaceful summer afternoon, to not worry about money, to not worry about my place in the world, or my image in front of society, or just enjoying great social events, or finding somebody, anybody, to be romantic with. Or you know what, none of that, just having a regular peaceful summer afternoon. I had no idea what that was like anymore. I didn't even know what it would be like to, to be in one of those rowboats, actually enjoying requited feelings of love. A guy as interested in me as, as I am in him. Somebody who only wants to spend time with me that day and nobody else. Also, money in my pocket, not wealth, not power, not fame, just just money to buy a freaking hot dog and rent a rowboat and have some sense of normalcy. I started talking to God again. Nobody could hear me, but I was having a very intense and very loud and very angry conversation with God inside my own head. What's going on, dude? I've done nothing but be brave and take risks, and I've tried to build a better life. What do you need me to do so I can have those things? What do you need me to do so you can just give these things to me? What do you need me to do? I feel like I've done every last thing you've asked me to do. I've had faith, I've worked hard, I've taken risks. All the things you talk about. You need to give me these things now. You need to give me a boyfriend now. You need to give me a job now because it's time, because I deserve it, and I want your answer today. I am tired of waiting for your signs. I don't care what your plan is. I need you to tell me what it is now. I continued to walk down a path near the lake and I found a bench and I sat in it and I fell into 
deep sleep. I don't know why I was tired. I just I just fell asleep on the bench. I must have woken up maybe 40 or 50 minutes later. I woke up to this music coming from the distance, somewhere near the world-famous Bethesda Fountain. So I start walking closer to this music because it's just drawing me in. And it's a beautiful voice, and it's a guitar, and it gets louder and louder. And you're going to have to excuse my singing voice, but I think it's important to the story. Sometimes I feel like I don't have a partner. Sometimes I feel like my only friend is the city I live in, the city of angels. Lonely as I am, together we cry. And I see in front of the fountain this cute guy singing and playing the guitar. August. This can't be a coincidence. This cannot be a coincidence. This cannot be an accident. This is New York City. 20 million people in the metropolitan area. I met somebody in Queens, eight kilometers away, and then I ask God for a sign, and then I fall asleep somehow, and I wake up 40 minutes later, and he is singing a song right there. I know how to recognize serendipity when it happens. And I understood it immediately. I was getting my answer. I started crying again, but for the first time that entire year, they were actually tears of joy. Because you know what? Regardless of what the answer was, and I didn't know at the time, I understood <laughs> that my prayer was being answered. The question that I asked within one hour, in the most obvious of ways, a way where it just could not be ignored. And this is the first of three major serendipitous moments of my life. Three major spiritual experiences where it's just impossible to ignore when you see the evidence that there's some force just talking back at you when you talk at it. And you're trying to understand what's going on in your life and these moments just happen, aligned, and things that seem random but cannot be random. And there is something. And you know what? You don't have to explain it. You don't have to put a name to this energy. You don't have to write a book about it. You don't have to create a religion around it. It doesn't matter. You can just sit back and watch it do its thing and understand that it is there. It's listening when you talk. And life is not this random, meaningless story with underserved challenges and pointless dark days and obstacles. There is more to the things we live and the things that happen in our lives. And when we get bogged down with finding a job or having money or figuring out our incomes, we just lose sight of it. And though I didn't know it at the time, and I didn't really understand what the message was, just knowing that I was actually being heard, that there was something receiving my pleas of despair and making itself known, just that could not have been more comforting. It wiped out every last whiff of panic that was still inside me. I talked to August. He was nice. I think he could tell I was into him, but we laughed for a little bit, and uh, then, then he dropped the bomb on me again. My girlfriend something or other. He turned around and he left. I wasn't angry. I was just confused, maybe. What was that huge, epic, serendipitous moment all about? If it wasn't about him, what was it all about? I got back on the subway, went back to Queens, and as I was getting out, my phone rang. This time, I was not gonna fool myself thinking that it was another job offer, so I just, I tried to pick up, but my phone died right as I was picking it up. 
and went to voicemail. Andrew, this is Anina from the University Telemarketing Office. I'm calling because Kathy resigned today. I wanted to gauge your interest in having you join us as the telemarketing manager at USC. I know you moved to New York, but if you're available and you'd consider coming back to Los Angeles, let me know. Okay, so quick background. I had been working at the university telemarketing office most of college. I was a student caller. You know, the students that call alumni and ask them for money. I, I credit this job for just keeping me functional. College was not fun for me. I was isolating myself from the world. I was getting crushed under a mountain of credit card debt, my own fault. I was crying at the apartment where I lived alone. I was not connecting with friends. I was not going to class. I was just, okay, I was just obsessed with this love so unrequited and so unhealthy that I could barely get out of bed and have some semblance of a life. Despite the storms, I found... A little bit of strength, just a little bit, a tiny amount, but I summoned it and I made it to work every single day. And lo and behold, that tiny little effort had now come back to save my life. They liked me. They liked my work. They wanted me to be a leader. I was going to be a boss. (laughs) I was saved. Would you believe me if I told you (sighs) that when I got that message, I didn't celebrate. I received it as a test of my commitment to my ultimate goal, to have a career as a writer, to write for a living, to live in New York and work in the entertainment industry and write for a living. I didn't want to be a stupid telemarketing manager. I didn't want to live in Los Angeles. I wanted to write movies and I wanted to live in New York City. So yeah, I was about to come into financial ruin. I needed a job fast. I was trying to commit to my dream and I have this parachute just offered to me that is not the city I want, not the job that I want, but it's the money that I need. And I was fooling myself into thinking that the universe was testing me. (laughs) I convinced myself that if I turned it down, I would pass the final test. And two weeks later, I would have, I would be some sort of screenwriter working in the entertainment industry and get my job and get my New York apartment and start living that life. I actually thought I needed to turn this job down, and I almost turned the job down. But the universe is very, very wise. It was a Friday. It was the last call she made. I would not be able to call her back until Monday. I had the weekend to just think it over. The next morning, I wake up and I just go for a walk in Queens. I'm staring at Manhattan from the edge of Astoria Park on the other side of the river. The sky was beautifully overcast. It's a gorgeous day. I love gray skies. And I'm staring at the city. And then it hits me. August. The big, miraculous moment. Now I know what it means. Sometimes I feel like I don't have a partner. Sometimes I feel like my only friend is the city I live in. The city of angels. Lonely as I am. Together we cry. That song is a love letter to Los Angeles. That whole thing was about Los Angeles. Listen, I didn't want to go back to that city. I didn't want to take that job. I wanted New York. I was scared. But I couldn't ignore what the universe was doing. It was pretty clear. The universe wanted me to take this job and move back to LA. I ask point blank. I don't ask, I force. I force the universe to hand me a job and a life and to solve my problems. And I fall asleep and 40 minutes later, this insane serendipity happens and the whole message inside it is Los Angeles. 
And right after that happens, I get the phone call. The universe wanted me to take that job. Yeah, I couldn't ignore that. I had to just quit banging on that door, trying to live in New York, trying to be a screenwriter and walk through this new door that I never in my wildest dreams thought would ever make me happy. Telemarketing, Los Angeles. And yeah, I hesitated for a moment. Should I be making a decision based on just this crazy intuition that the universe gave me a sign? But I mean, that was just, that was a pretty compelling reason to make a big life decision. So I decided, even though I wasn't sure why, I decided I'm gonna listen. I called my parents and I called three of my close friends and I told them the news. I'm going back to LA to become a telemarketing manager. Then my Blackberry beeped. The most important email of my life. It was from this numerology website that I followed at the time, hence the coast. He sent a daily numerology forecast to your email every single day and I didn't read it every day, but I was curious to see what it said that day. I had just made this big life decision. I wanted to see what it said. And this is what it said verbatim. Progress in career, good for finances, lucky, sharing thoughts and feelings with relatives and friends, conflicts solved, healing of the heart. Yeah, that was the quote. I saved it. I had been following that site all year and I... I'd learned a little bit about numerology from my grandma as a kid, but I was no expert at the time. I didn't know how numerology worked, but this is the earliest memory that I have where I was not just curious about the accuracy, but I was genuinely shocked. It kind of creeped me out and I was just fascinated. I wanted to look under the hood and figure out how this system knew exactly what was going on. And you know what? I don't know what fascinated me more if it was the accuracy or the timing. The timing was perfect. It was the timing that really made a difference for me. It was a simple notification from a simple technology that somebody had created, gently touching my simple Blackberry at the perfect time. The perfect nudge from the universe, letting me know that I had understood what it needed me to understand. I mean, I can't even begin to describe the enormous peace that I felt from that simple message, not just because of its accuracy, but because of its timing. It could be said that it changed the course of the rest of my life because I never doubted my decision again. And by the way, it was the best decision I ever made. With that brief notification, at that precise time, I was experiencing an emotion that I would invest many, many, many years trying to replicate for you, the feeling that a technology understands you and it knows about your inner turmoil and it can just deliver the inner peace that comes with connecting to that strange, beautiful force that you keep demanding blessings from. You know, we hear the word manifestation all the time. and Some people have written a law around it. You focus on something hard enough and the universe just opens the door for you. I don't know that I understand the law the same way other people describe it. And in future audios, I'm gonna let you know about that. But looking back at my life, I, seeing all the times where something like this actually happened to me, I focused on something hard enough and the door opened. I've noticed a very clear pattern. It's never the door that I expected. Every single time I'm trying very hard to open a specific door that seems to be nailed shut. And then I make the request. 
and I focus hard, and the universe responds by nudging me towards a different door. <laughs> it's just a few feet to the right. It's not very far. And you know what? It's not nailed shut. It's wide open. There is no resistance. There is no knocking. There is no patience. There's no waiting. You just walk through it. And you walk through it, and you get everything you'd been asking for. So I want to help you find your other door. My mission in life, my mission with this website and with this audio experience that I'm launching for you right now with last week's audio and this week's audio is to help you figure out what your other door is. I want to help you see it and trust it and walk through it. I think you're ready. I think it's pretty easy. I think that it's time. Well, let's talk more next Thursday. <laughs> Godspeed from Andrew Gabalich at Teledipity.